You're listening to Creativity in the Capital, a Solving Sacramento podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Casey Rafter. On this show, we find two artists or creatives in the Sacramento area and pair them together to discuss their successes, their struggles, and how they feel they fit into the Sacramento creative community. The two strangers have provided a list of questions, and off they go. In our fifth episode, we've paired Dalrymple McAlpin and Chris the Philharmonic Gates, and someone special towards the end of the show. Detroit-born storyteller, multi-instrumentalist, composer, playwright, and puppeteer Dalrymple McAlpin has spent much of his life interpreting the vivid images of his dreams into the art he presents to his audiences. His magical band Dalrymple and the Wild Diamonds, often in matching shades of green, has enchanted Sacramento audiences at Harlow's and the Russ Room, sometimes found performing in Nevada City, where he mounted his musical Make Believe. McAlpin's most recent project is a comic book, The Wild Diamonds, which saw the release of its first issue, Children of the Void, in November of this year. Sacramento-based hip-hop and R&B performer and producer Christian Gates began piano lessons at six years old. Now as the Philharmonic, he creates vibrations with voice and keys that have enveloped his audiences in a blanket of thought-provoking sound since 2016. His second album, Chironic, was released in July of this year with subsequent short films released for each track on the album. Joined in this episode is a special guest, Stiltskin, Supposedly the very same character who spun straw into gold, whose legend continues today as a hand-carved marionette given birth to by Dalrymple himself. The two, three creative souls huddled for a chat in the multimedia room of Sac State's award-winning news publication, The State Hornet. I found an amazing community of artists where I live and people who are into creating. If you build it, they will come. And the they I have found are in Nevada City. If you have a dream and a vision, there's just so many people there, so many talented artists willing to lend their hand to somebody's visionary dreams. It definitely feels like home. And of course, the Yuba River is my sacred ground now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Christian. Yeah. I was wondering... How long have you lived in or near the Sacramento region, and does it feel like home? Well, now that I'm 30 years old, I've been here since I was seven, so I've been here for 23 years. I was originally born in Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm a Midwestern kid just like you. This place is is my home. I mean, I've experienced majority of my life and the majority of my brain development in this city. I've grown all my friends here. I've learned everything to become who I am in this moment here. I don't see myself leaving Sacramento anytime soon, but you know, I'm open to exploring the world and having my perspective shift and change over time as life tends to do to us. What do artists need to make success a reality? People, resources, Do you feel that those elements are readily available in this area? I remember you were talking about in Nevada City, everybody is incredibly supportive of whatever art form you decide to take on. What kind of examples would you say in Nevada City where that personally worked for you? 
Well, the first question, like what do artists need to make success a reality? The very first thing is mindset. If you want to be a successful artist, you have to have a successful artist mindset and not get sucked into doubt and inhibitions about releasing your music into the world or your art. You just have to keep creating, being inspired and stay positive about what it is you're creating because you're ultimately communicating. Art is communicating. So having that clear focus mindset of what it is you're communicating to the world is what is ultimately the most successful thing to make an artist successful. And as far as like people and resources in my area, I just finished this incredible business course. I'm going to put a plug in for it. It's this place called Sierra Commons and it's their business igniter course. And for artists, it's an incredible resource because most artists have no concept of the business side of art and how to put it out into the world. They're just like, I just create. And this was mind blowing for someone like me who's just been a creator my whole life, getting the foundational tools to make a successful business like, oh, get a sole proprietorship, get a LLC, start defining your audience, start doing these essential things to ensure you are successful. Because if you're starting a business, you want to be successful. That was incredible. And as far as people, yeah, there's just, I mean, so many different theater people up there for prop building, set design, directing, like Tom Waits' recording engineers up there, Oz Fritz, and we've been working with him for over a decade. And he's just like a Grammy Award winning engineer in our hood. And I love that guy. It attracts the artists, you know, there's a lot of elements available. So Christian, what do you think? Are there elements available in your area? What you were saying earlier really resonated with me and I tend to view success in that way even though it took a a long time for me to realize what success as an artist really means. Let me define artistry from my perspective first. Just a way to creatively express who you are in whatever environment despite what's happening in the external world. Non-judgmentally fully freely. I I feel that is success as an artist. I've had to change my perspective of that over the years because it was very personal for me. Like I want to reach this status. I want to be at this place instead of realizing that the reason why I create this is to bring myself out to the world. I feel like those elements are are very much available and they work in both ways, both in and against you. If you look in the wrong places, I feel like you'll find the things that are the antithesis of what it means to be a successful artist. If you search within yourself, you'll find the resources and you'll find the people anywhere you go because you're evolving as a person as much as you're evolving as an artist. And I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. I think both of those things are essential to one another. Definitely. You were saying with business, like that transition to also being a successful artist in a practical sense is a very, very hard transition for me, especially to make. And talking about coming up with the LLC, becoming responsible fiscally and doing all the practical stuff that nobody wants to do is really where you get your bread and butter from. And when you're expressing an art, it feels like you want to be great at this one thing, but life requires us to be proficient at many things in order to make a living. If any artist is out there struggling with how to take their art to the next level, learn the tedious art of business and reading and learn to fall in love with learning again. Sooner rather than later. Right. If you're struggling through something, yeah, have you ever doubted your commitment? Yeah. 
we were talking about like just the elements being readily available in the area. Yeah. I've kind of gone through a shift recently in the way I view the world. I don't rely on the external world for anything and the external world doesn't really owe me anything. So I have to find my way. Finding those elements relies on me seeking out and going to places that I wouldn't go and exploring things I wouldn't usually explore. Trying to get out of my comfort zone and just actually live life, I think, is the way you become a successful artist. It also depends on purpose. What is the purpose for why we make art and why you make art, would you say? That's like the great why. Why are we even doing this? For me, it has become distilled down into creating a world like Willy Wonka talked about, a world of pure imagination, the make-believe world of Mr. Rogers, to remind people of this innocence and the power of creativity and imagination. The name of my project is the Wild Diamonds, and the diamond being this Greek word, which is a personification of the destiny and the fate you chose for yourself before you were born on this planet. The ancient Greeks talk about this world where the soul is looking down and you sense a purpose, a reason to be born in the first place. And that idea really resonated with me. Like we all have a reason for being uh, something it is we're supposed to do. And whether that's great or small or it's personal transformation, whatever it is. But then it is that we drink from the river of forgetfulness and then we are born. And those who were not saved by wisdom drink more than is necessary for that is the reason we remain ignorant of our great spiritual destiny. Mm. But we are sent to this earth with a diamond, sort of what the Christians would call a guardian angel or the Romans called a genius. And that's where our word for genius comes from. A genius is someone who is like tapped into their diamond, that protector, the guardian of your fate. And so that is the purpose and the reason for why I do what I do is to connect people to that source of their personal power. I think that should be the goal of all art. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all, I would feel like that's the vocation, the destiny of why we do it is to have people really open up to that genius, that diamond, that guardian angel, connecting the soul to the mind and the body. That's what Rumpelstiltskin is for me. He is like a diamond. You know, you can have more than one. They manifest in different ways. And you could call it like the psyche or the unconscious or um, even an alter ego. But it exists and it is there to enlighten us to the reason that it is we chose to be here in the first place, which is really empowering because I feel like a lot of people are struggling with that because we live in this crazy age of distraction and the embarrassment of riches and the embarrassment of choices we have at our fingertips at all moments. People are out of their bodies. They're not in their physical body. They're like astrally traveling all the time, you know, in these like digital realms surfing the internet. We've lost that sense of soul, of home, our psyche. Then it becomes demonized and the diamond becomes a demon. We like neglect the power or abuse it, eradicate it from ourselves or ignore it, repress it. I mean, that's what we're programmed to do, at least. I know, Every, it's sad. It's, we run from pain. We, we don't really appreciate all the elements of life that create this unique experience that we're living out. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing and a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and it doesn't last forever. I always have to remind myself of that when I want to go back to that comfortable societal programming. It's a courageous act to tap into that diamond, that fullness of self. But it's also so much liberating because once you once you just taste it for the first time, 
you, you begin to ask yourself, what have I been doing with my life? And sometimes it feels like a dark night of the soul. It's like, who am I really? And really, it's like that's the beginning. Know of, thyself. Yeah. yeah. It, it, of the actual, I feel like, the journey. I think the biggest thing I learned was that going through a dark night in that place is that you are the light at the end of the tunnel. And you reach that light by taking every step towards yourself. And everything we do is a way of doing that. There's always some type of wisdom we can learn from it, something we connect to, something we can help to evolve us. I feel that there are these spirits out there who have all this wisdom who are like floating around us. And if we tune our human antenna in those directions, you know, we can like receive and transmute these ideas to create change and transformation even on a personal level. Support for Creativity in the Capital comes from Outward Magazine, the largest and most respected LGBTQ publication for Sacramento and Northern California, and a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at outwardmagazine.com. What happens when you doubt your commitment? When you're not tapped into that diamond? When, when you're tempted to want to wanna go to that place of feeling like you're separated from like your passion? That's a hard question because it's been a long time since I've been disconnected, you know, so I don't remember what it was like. When you doubt, that's when you allow yourself to become distracted and not allow yourself to go deep within what it is that is asking to be called forth into the world. And you let other things consume you. And then you can become consumed by the diamond too. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, he talks about his own diamond. And he said that he was in the grip of his diamond and it almost forced him to do these tasks, you know, to the detriment of his personal relationships with his family, with his wife, his children, with the people of the world at large, that he was in the grip of it so strongly. And you see his body of work and you think, how did this one man create this much (laughs) in his lifetime? He must have never slept. Well, same thing with Nietzsche. Nietzsche is exactly the same way. You you become so super sane that you become insane. You know, (laughs) you got to be careful. Yeah, Yeah, you, you, you walk in the threshold. And I, I went through that and, and I wouldn't even call it a doubt uh, for me because it was really a shift in perspective. Am I only my art? Why am I defining myself through this one channel when I am this whole universe of experiences and loves and passions that go beyond the realm of playing keys and music? Like, you yeah. Know. That's just a tool, you know, that's just an instrument in front of us. Right. Yeah, there's so much more. And it's like, what do you love doing outside of puppeteering, outside of the music realm and orchestrating that really is in line with who you want to become a passion that's adjacent to, to the craft? I would say being like deep in the heart of nature, that is an art form to me, you know, just like nature is the greatest artist. And just being out there in the wilderness is where you like charge your batteries. That's where I go to just like refuel and get inspired climb the mountain and get to the heights and put your head in the clouds literally that's that my other passion would be yeah being in nature what about what about yourself like when you remove yourself from your art and you're like what it is where's that i go to charge my batteries it's living i think it's anytime i step away and um, usually I feel overwhelmed by hyper-focusing or I feel claustrophobic by my own art. Like, it's like, I need to spread my wings and fly out. 
I start researching and learning other skills because I want to be more than a, a great artist and a great musician. I want to be a great partner, a great son, a great sibling, a great human being. And, you know, what really constitutes that is becoming the best you can be in all areas. It's not a competitive thing. I have so many of these things I want to explore, and I know that it's going to take some work to get there. Like, I want to learn how to fly a plane. I, I see myself flying over Alaska, just endless snow. And I'm like having these visions, and I'm having these visions of being a really good cook, and I'm cooking these <laughs> great meals. And it's like, it's been something that's recent. And so I would never say it was doubt. But I feel that the first passion that we have in music, it should be our foundation to expand. If you're successful here and you're loved and you're cherished by the external world and it's giving back to you, it's, it's a reciprocal relationship with the external world around you. Imagine if you put that effort into something else you're passionate about. I think it's scary to pick up and start from square one and do the work again, but that's literally what we're doing for our entire life. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. We're not evolving. We're dying. Exactly. I feel like the way to get out of your head, like you're saying, it, you have to pursue these other avenues. I have a family. I have a son and a wife. And like, and like you said, like I want to be a good father, you know, I want to be a good partner to my partner. And I do have to figure out ways to balance the obsession of art because it becomes this like obsession, you know, that can like totally take you over if you let it. And, um, and I don't have any problem letting it, you know, <laughs> just like, let's do this, you know, and I get, we're about to do a show this Saturday and it's just getting more and more ambitious. Oh, we need to add this lighting person. I want to make this the best thing it can be. It's like getting ready for a wedding, but yet I, my wife and I haven't actually gotten married yet. Just call her my wife. Cause she pretty much is, you know, She's also an artist, so we talk about this stuff a lot. We're, you know, talking about what struggling as an artist, communicating, finding your voice, finding your audience. So it's a great partnership because we pull each other out of our respective worlds and come back to the humanity of it all. <laughs> Let's look at each other in the eyes and remember why we're here. That's a beautiful thing. And I think that a lot of us kind of confuse our commitment to the passion for really just taking time to do other things. I felt like there's always been this underlying rat race to want to be the best of the best. To find the purpose for improvement isn't really for the sake of evolving and experimenting, but it's really more out of a place of not feeling good enough. You know, I can't speak for everybody, but when I started wanting to go towards too much in one direction, I like just learning the synopsis of things, the summary of things. I love reading a book, but if I got a test tomorrow, I'm going on cliff notes, you know, and life tests me all the time. And I got to just learn the cliff notes for certain things. Cliff notes I, of life. <laughs> just of, of certain passions. And I feel like, you know, I, I've moved so far in one direction with music. I'll never be done with it and I'll never stop doing it. But now it's not my end all be all. It's not what I put my identity into. A lot of people would say you're not pursuing the passion. And it's like, that's not it at all. They just don't get it. Right. <laughs> they don't get it. Nowadays, the word branding is just so like people are like, you got to brand your art. What's your brand? What's your elevator pitch for your art? And it just becomes this frustrating thing that you can just keep hearing about all the time. 
distilling down these ideas into, you know, one sentence? Have you distilled down what represents you as an artist in one sentence? That's a good question. And I haven't thought about it as an artist. Like what it is you do. Like for me, I've been struggling with this and I've been not able to connect with my audience because I keep changing as an artist. I'll go from being this medieval folk, like experimental medieval folk music to then writing plays about Irish mythology, then getting into my like Detroit rock and roll roots and like Iggy and the Stooges vibe. And then going into like puppet mysticism, you know, and I'll spend long times in those periods. But like people have a hard time latching on to you as an artist if you keep changing all the time. I found like you have to commit to something to get the world to recognize you as this one thing before you decide to change. For me, I believe I finally formulated an umbrella that I can commit to the words mystical puppet rock opera, because within those four words, it gives me the opportunity to rock out if I want to rock out and be operatic and, you know, classical direction, puppeteer and storytelling, you know. I call myself the the Philharmonic. There's two meanings of it. The first one I did personally for me, you hear the word Philharmonic and a lot of national orchestras, New York Philharmonic, L.A. Philharmonic. That's what I thought. And so the Philharmonic is a one man orchestra because I'm literally creating from start to finish, from the beats to the instruments, to the writing of the lyrics, to the singing and the recording and the engineering. I'm doing all of it. And there's nobody else in the studio with me unless I have an artist featuring. But I Mm -hmm. looked up the actual definition in, I think, Webster's Dictionary of what Philharmonic means. It means devoted to music. I felt like a lot of my life was devoted to music. It's what I learned to master from whatever genre it was. Because music is so universal, you can be as diverse with it as you want. I mean, what does people consider music to their ears? Maybe I'm music to people's ears. And maybe that's not just in the form of playing an instrument or singing a song. Maybe it's the wisdom that I bring. Maybe it's the experience and my story that I bring. I want to be music to people's ears when they listen to me. I think that would define me now. Do you feel like you've arrived at that for a long time? You haven't had the struggle of like people not being able to identify with who it is you are and what you do? I think the biggest struggle was me not identifying with it. I don't think it had anything to do with other people. I recently came to this level of self-actualization and I feel like it's my first one. And I know you're going to probably go through many of those levels of, oh, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I represent. Hopefully it never stops. Right. The first one is a very, very monumental shift in how you see life. Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and And the the day day you you find find out out why. why. This awakening was the why. Yeah. I think that change had to be with me, not with other people. I never had a problem relating to other people. I felt like my soul was ahead of me. That was interesting because you kind of feel like a hypocrite talking about these higher wisdoms. You know, I was foolish enough in thinking that I would have, I could bypass those because I knew the knowledge, but there's much difference in knowing and doing. 
the doing part is the hard part. So now I just be quiet and <laughs> try to live life and tell people you got this and don't quit because that's really the most valuable advice I've ever gotten. When life gets hard and you go through a lot of trials and tribulations, you feel like you were going to reach this place in your mind where it would all dissipate once you achieved what you wanted to achieve in your own mind and to realize that life just doesn't work that way. And you have to be able to, to learn and to grow through that and that's what I want for people to know. Don't quit. That was advice that helped me in the past, for sure. There was always someone there telling me that I was really dedicated, but it was just nice to hear the idea of, you know, if you stick with something, that eventually, you know, you will find yourself inside of it. You will find transformation out of it. You know, you will be constantly evolving and transforming through your art. I found that to be true for sure. And I have never felt like I had any other choice but to do it. Not even talking about money. Like, are you making money at this? It's just like, I have to do this, whether there's money there or not for it. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because there is no other choice. I'm in the grip of the diamond. It's beautifully said. Yeah. Just learning how to translate that to the world is the constant evolution. Mm. All right. Hello there. Are we getting through to you? Christian, do you gain harmony through your work that might not otherwise have occurred? Hmm. I do, but I also get friction. Mm. I also get hard emotions to deal with. Do tell. There are types of artists that make music for content and for other people to see. There are other artists who make music to express their pain, to get an understanding out of life. And I'm the person that makes music to just process everything I feel and process life itself. To be able to have an avenue to express those feelings is really important for me. And I do use it as therapy, but I don't rely on it to heal me. I think that it opens the door for me to heal and to grow and to evolve from it. However, I also have to do the work outside of the music to do that, too. It's all one. It's all one, indeed. Yes, I find that idea comes to me when I'm in the water. I find when I'm lying in a hot bath or in some natural water somewhere, it is then the spirits come, the ideas come, inspiration strikes, and I have to scramble to find a pen to write it all down before I forget it. Have you ever forgotten it? Oh, there's things that slip away. <laughs> Certainly, but you can't hold on to it all. Not all of it, no. No, you have to learn to let go. Other ideas will come and those will fester in the minds of future generations. Perhaps. Creation of yours are you most proud of? That's not hard to answer. The most thing I'm proud of so far is, well, what we're creating right now. It's a mystical puppet rock opera called Tune In to the Golden Thread. 
And you know Rumpelstiltskan makes the golden thread, right? Indeed. And what does the golden thread symbolize? The golden thread, it's the ancient wisdom tradition of alchemy. The tradition that binds all the traditions with the thread of wisdom, the thread of knowledge, the thread of fate. Mm, yes, and this is what I'm most proud of at the moment, although what I'm very excited about is... <laughs> The Rumpelstiltskin opera that's coming up next. Are you prepared for it? Well, I've been prepared. I've been waiting for hundreds of years for this moment. And I've picked this chap to do it for me. That's incredible. A lot of work. Indeed, indeed. Well, let me turn that question back to you. What are you most proud of at the moment? Think the way my life has turned out. Ah. There are a lot of twists and turns and valleys and mountains and rain and sun, clouds and clear skies. I'm grateful for all of it in this very moment we're in. And I think that's the most anybody could ask for. No matter where you go and what you've done, the moment that you're in this present time is how you feel good about yourself. The fact that I have the blessing and the gratitude to feel good in this moment, mm -hmm. I feel like all that matters. No, that's beautifully said. I'm grateful as well, grateful to be here, to exist, to have this opportunity to speak with you today. Same with you. <laughs> Thank you. And you already mentioned what's next for you. That's right. What about you? Living through today and enjoying it and to create and create and create and create until my time is over with and I move on to another part of the universe, which is going to be a long time from now. Time is a funny thing, you know. It's we who give it power. Maybe there's no such thing as it. Indeed. Forsooth. Tis true. Do you believe in time? Well, my name is older than Father Time, but time is standing still. Time is what you want it to be. You can melt it and cram it into the cupboard and never see it for the rest of your life, if you want to. How would you like to view time? I think not of it, for to me, an infinite soul in the realm of the ether, time is but a glimmer, a reflection of nothing. And you? How dost thou view time? It's something that I'm not in control of. It goes whether I like it or not, and I choose to ignore it and not run the track of time. Time is standing still if you want it to, right? Maybe. If I have that power, then I definitely will wield it. I shall give you this power. Come close. <laughs> Touch my hand. Yes, let's hum together and call forth the spirit of time. Mm. Mm. 
call forth to the great beyond, to the spirits that dwell there. Gift this young soul the ability to have power over time, to treat it as he will, as he must, as he does. He will forevermore be no slave of time. I choose it. So, thanks. It is done. It is done. Hmm. Well, that was unexpected. Anything you want to ask me? What is the greatest challenge you've had in your existence? Hmm. Having my story be told in the proper way. The name of Rumpelstiltskin has been tossed in the mud for too long. Everyone sees me as the villain. I am no villain. I'm here to help. So being misunderstood has been my greatest challenge. Still, children cry when they see my face and I run up to them. This makes me sad. This is what the Rumpelstiltskin marionette opera will fix, I hope. What about you? Greatest challenge. Overcoming my own mind. Hmm. Overcoming my own thoughts, the way I see the world, trying to shift my perspective, shift my paradigm. Unite the two halves of your mind into one. That's my advice. Yeah. Easier said than done, though, right? Very much. (laughs) One can only philosophize for so long until it's time to live. To play. To dream. Yeah. Sorry about all that tapping, Casey. (laughs) I can't help it. I'm going to tap away. Let me get all my taps out. I need to be free to tap. It's part of the show. Life's easier when you have nothing to prove. Well, Christian, it was a pleasure chatting with you. It was a pleasure chatting with an infinite soul. See you in the great beyond, perhaps. Indeed. He always makes me do this. It's branding. That's right. (laughs) Creativity in the Capital is a production of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative, hosted by me, Casey Rafter. This episode's intro and outro music is by Celia St. Croix. Celia's music is available on Spotify or any streaming platform. Solving Sacramento is supported by funding from the James Irvine Foundation and Solutions Journalism Network. Our partners include California Groundbreakers, Cap Radio, Outward, Russian American Media, Sacramento Business Journal, Sacramento News and Review, Sacramento Observer, and Univision 19. This conversation has been edited for length, clarity, and flow.